Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Reliable Talk podcast. Uh, we've been away for a little bit. I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year, even though we are nearly three weeks into the year. It is, uh, <laughs> flew by in rapid, rapid, rapid succession. Um, but we're back and we want to try to obviously try. We're going to try to get this more regular, really, because um, we really enjoy obviously getting the podcast out there. And a lot of people have been asking, when's the next podcast happening? We haven't heard one in a while. And uh, we've actually surpassed nearly 400 downloads wow. from, um, I think, four episodes. Yeah. So it's 100 downloads, essentially, per episode, which is incredible. So I need to get my bumming gear and, and get a few of these more recorded, really, because I think the engagement's been great, I think. Um, the response to it has been incredible. And I think you guys as well like to hear about reliability stuff like us. We can talk about it all day, can't we, Will? Um, how you how you been, buddy, and how you been keeping, mate? We've been very busy, haven't we? I've been keeping yeah. well. We've just been really busy, which is a good thing. Yeah, and, always good uh, problems, definitely. Definitely. But no, it's been exciting, like I say, with... Uh, having to sort some stuff out that we'll be talking about today yeah a lot of announcements to make a lot from of our things side that we've kind of been doing and working on kind of in the background for the last sort of the end of last year that yeah. we're now kind of well we had two weeks off i think it's really important to have that time off with family and obviously it's been a challenge um you know in covid times as well which has not been the easiest of times but you know january some usually is not the busiest of months it is busy but you know, this month has actually been crazy. So um, we've obviously, you know, really sort of adopted to get the work done. I mean, that has definitely been our priority, hence why we've not done many podcasts. But we have a very big announcement to make. And obviously, um, your tool of choice for collecting vibration data is probably the most, uh, as you vibration and analysts are listening to this, no. That is probably the most important tool you'll ever use in your career and obviously the most important tool that will be able to analyse the most vital information on the machines that you monitor. So, you know, this tool is the most important one in our toolbox and probably the most expensive, I would yeah, say, as well. Yeah, they're quite costly, aren't they? Yes, and we have actually <laughs> made a big decision um, to move away from Proof Technic and we have now invested in the Acuum reliability space with brand new Falcon Falcon One Prods. They've got a cool name. It sounds cool, they? doesn't it? Yo, I got the Falcon. That's it. You know, and and it is. I, I can see why they call it the Falcon. <laughs> it's quick. It's ridiculously fast in data acquisition. And do you know what? When I first kind of looked into it, I was like, "How is this?" Well, I'd never even heard of them. No. You know, I've I came before Proof Technic with you. I was using the Emerson stuff, and I, uh, you know, Emerson SKF Proof Technic. You kind of the standard, yeah. You know, big three and Acoem. Who are these guys? I know, and it is it is odd. Um, I remember when I first I come across a One Prod Falcon on an internet site on the blog, and I was like, "What is that cool looking machine?" Because obviously I could tell it was a vibration analyzer yeah. and, you know, it had a sensor, and it, but it, it had a wireless one. So that was the first thing that kind of thought, oh, hang on. I've never, ever seen a collector like this that yeah. has actually, you know, got a wireless way of collecting data no. from the unit itself 
uh, to the actual machine. And as well, it was touchscreen. There wasn't a single button on this this actual collector. No. It was completely touchscreen, which is something I've never, ever had really in a collector. I used to use the SKF Microlog, which had a lot of buttons on, very small screen. Well, even, um, the, even the 2140, it's a touchscreen, but down the left and right-hand side, it's still buttoned as well. Oh, is it? I yeah, see. Yeah, so like I was... When I was using a 2140, I'd still press the buttons. Yeah. It was just where it was. It kind of like probably was just, you know, you kind of could touch the screen, but you kind of didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've never used Emerson Kit. I've I've heard about it and uh, I've heard about, you know, obviously how good it is in terms of sort of the reliability space. And since I sort of got onto LinkedIn and started looking further into researching different, you know, companies that provide this equipment, I found it was very much loved. You know, it was very much... A lot of people it's a did use it in this analyzer, isn't it? You know, yeah. a lot of people go to the Emerson stuff. But I mean, from user then this Aquam stuff, I can say, yeah, Emerson have got their work cut out a little bit. I think so. And, and as well, you know, I've got a lot of love for Proof Technic. We obviously used the uh, um, rotor align um, shaft alignment gear, and you know, it, it was it was my baby to begin with. You know what I mean? It was yeah, the yeah. first collector I kind of used when I started the business because I used to use SKF micrologs, and. Um, you know, I think between me and Will, we've got. A, I mean, this decision was not being taken lightly. You know, and obviously we it's put our heads together. It's the biggest decision we? we've made in the business. Massively, because obviously already I have you know already got quite a lot of customers that you know already on these systems, and obviously for anyone who has done this this change will know how much of a headache it can be yep. because you kind of you know you've still got history but it's very different in the way that you collect data on the new kit so when we're kind of trying to cross reference it can be quite difficult to do that so you know we've still got a lot of work really to do to, to build up this new um you know data yep. in 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 this system but already i'm seeing massive benefits i mean um, of the, the headache i mean from my perspective you know i've been building a lot of the routes to we have been together yeah I think the headache could have been a lot worse. But oh, God, because yeah. of the way that this, like the software, is yeah. made building the routes very easy. So for me, I think there's, you can you have to look at equipment in two areas. You know, you've got to have a look at the hardware, um, the actual kit itself. Is it rugged? How easy is it to use? What is the you know information shown to you in terms of analysis on site? Is the screen big? Can you yeah. do the functionalities? Has it got a tachometer? Has it got like, can it take temperature? Like all the little gadgety things and then you've got to look at the second part which is more like the software like how easy is it to navigate the software how easy is it to upload and um, unload routes how easy is it to understand defects and how does it present the information and two obviously areas that some shall we say manufacturers really thrive in one area may not thrive so much in the other and to be honest this piece of equipment is thriving in both. And that's where I really am impressed because where it comes to actual, the hardware of the unit is very rugged. Yep. It's very lightweight. It's got a big screen. Um, it's got a, you know, a tachometer on it. Yep. You can literally, um, pyrometer. A, sorry, pyrometer, a strobe as well. It's got a stroboscope on the back of the machine. Uh, which is incredible for, you know, getting shaft speeds. You, you all know how it is as vibration analysis engineers, how important shaft speed is. And sometimes we Especially can't... Especially on inverter-driven. Oh, God, yeah. And we can't always find that at one times because yeah. if you've got a lot of other lower frequency events happening, it may be quite difficult to find that high one times depending on the machine. So the strobe makes it 
so easy to do that as well. Um, as well, it's got a wireless sensor, which is, you know, th- to be honest, the list is huge, isn't it? Oh, massive. That measures in three directions as well, simultaneously. Well, what do we do three directions with, we do three different spectrums. Yeah, there's, there's, we have four different overall values that we that we trend just as overall values, so, so velocity, acceleration, yeah, um, something that we call you know lubrication factor that we've created that ourselves from a banding of alarm, um, as well overall envelope which gives an overall a reading of the spectrum that we've added to that, yep. which is our own reading, and something called defect factor that is already in the machine that looks for more impact related results. They're the overall values that you kind of can. Um, you can manipulate the alarms on that and it'll be a red, yep. it'll be a, a green and amber depending on where you set them alarms. So that's really great for giving first initial indications of problems. Yep. And then we've got three main spectrums with your low frequency spectrum. That's not to 12,000 cycles per minute. So really we're only looking at the low frequency events there. Yep. Then we've got a mid range spectrum at 120,000 cycles per minute. So yep. we're really seeing the mid range of our higher frequency events and we can view that in velocity and acceleration and displacement if we want to. Obviously yep. displacement was not so good at them higher frequency ranges. And then we've got something called high frequency. So this is literally like... 12 up to not to 12 million cycles per minute. It's ridiculous. So it's, it's really And, and high you frequency. can, like, in the software, we can view them merged as one whole spectrum. Yeah. Can't you? Because, so like, in the analyzer, you view it down. Then we've got, what, two time waveforms? So we've got two time waveforms as well. We've got a short one and a long one. A uh, short one looking for more bearing defect, high frequency events. And a longer one, because what you can do is actually listen on your software to the bearing. So what we try to do is put a longer one in at just, a higher sampling rate, just so we can purely loop it and audibly hear anything that's happening within that and that is just in itself so, massively and, and effective and all of that list 10 seconds 10 seconds no lie in all three axes and we're not we're not actually um, you know we're not we're not like sacrificing any lines of resolution nope. we're not sacrificing any like numbers of samples it can do it so quickly because what it does it, it post like, processes pro- yeah post processes the signal all at once. So there's a lot of algorithms happening at the same time. So it'll take a one long time waveform, I believe, and it will it'll yeah, process. Yeah, we're still not 100%. I, still no, but I'm just trying to, to, yeah, I'm still <laughs> trying to work out how this is actually possible. But then it, it processes that signal um, all simultaneously to get all the other results. Selves. Whereas a lot of other kits, what they do is something called multiplexing. So say, for example, uh, the kit I used, used to use before, Proof Technic Vibe Expert 2, you take an uh, envelope reading, it'll take that, then it would move and multiplex to the next reading, which would be acceleration, then it multiplex to an acceleration envelope. Yep. Whereas this is acquiring all of that data in one reading. So essentially, obviously, the longest reading you would take is probably a low frequency velocity reading yep. um, because obviously it's low frequency. And once that reading's taken, it will post-process all the other ones at the same time. And the only reason that 10 seconds is there is because we choose to take a long time waveform. Yeah. So it has to ha- ha- it's at about 10, 12 seconds depending. It has that long reading because it's getting all those revolutions of a shaft, especially on a slower yeah. speed. And, and and obviously the sample rate as well is a little bit higher because we want to sample. And as well, obviously for slower moving bearings, we can maybe even double that. But even if we do double that, and we obviously produce more s- samples to get a really good high resolution reading. It only takes twenty seconds. Yep. In three directions, and we can get all that information as well. So it's not even that long, really. It's still probably a lot quicker to do that on a slow moving piece of equipment and get more data than it would be 
just taking all three readings, what yep. I talked about in a multiplexing way with the other collector. So it is incredible. I can't lie. I, I'm, I love it. I love the way it presents Data and Nigel. I'm in love, man. I would, you know, take the collector and sleep with it at night if I had to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I just love it. I just, I do love the people. I'm excited to go to site oh, just definitely. to use this collector. Um, so, I yeah. I mean, like we've already seen today, just going through that data earlier, like, bam, problem. You know, But not even that. I'm, I'm learning now because I can collect, not collect more because it's, it's collecting at, you know, if anything, it's collecting like at less time. But the presentation of information, what it's showing me, is allowing me to learn more things. So yeah. I'm now being able to look at we higher can frequency bands. The data a lot. Yeah. yeah, we can do things like okay, we see something in the envelope. Well, we now have three different spectrums that we can now analyze individually. Yeah. Low frequency. What's my speed? What's happening in my low frequency events? What's happening in my high frequency events? Have I got yeah. lubrication? What's happening in mid-frequency? Is there a bit of a bearing problem? Exactly. So we're kind of looking at different areas for different things. Because um, before, you know, when I used to use a proof technique gear, my acceleration reading would only go up to 300,000 cycles per minute. And what I found there was missing so much information in terms of poor lubrication. Um, what I did find is between 600,000 cycles per minute and 900,000 cycles per minute was like a little haystack area where you get really poor lubrication. We kind of trialed this on a few areas where we knew we had poor lubrication. That's a frequency band where you really see a haystack appearing. Yeah. It's about was... 9,000 hertz for those who work in hertz. Yeah, way. I know. These I, I, work I work in hertz. hertz. He works in CPM. Yeah, so yeah, you, you'll hear a, a, a different way of explaining stuff. <laughs> but what we found is we could actually band that out as an overall and we could actually put that as an overall value as a lubrication factor it's as well re- it's really powerful and it's because powerful. it works 100 percent. because we've seen it where we've got a lubrication problem lubrication factors like hello problem here envelope that's looking for that impact in metal on metal contact nothing green it's, yeah okay slightly lower put yeah. a bit of grease in listen to it make a noise listen to the ultrasound recheck it again all green that's the thing in it we what we that can do now is separate. I mean, what we we used to heavily rely on the envelope spectrum for poor lubrication when I was using the uh, the Vibe Expert too, because the frequency band was probably, shall we say, a little bit wider to be able to understand both elements. But what this can do is separate the two, which I find very helpful. Yeah. Because you know we want to know um, if it is more bearing related or if it's more lubrication related, and if it is a sealed bearing, of course, it's the same outcome. It needs to be changed. But what we do know is potentially that it may have a little bit more life than something that has severe impacts or yep. defects and yeah, it just gives us more information and the more the more we know the more we can shall we say better advised be better, better advised yeah and like let uh, the customer know you know in the past you may have had to make a call to change something because it was flagging up in envelope whereas now we can look at that lubrication fact we can look at that high frequency event and go okay there is a lubrication problem here it's sealed for life Let's track this. Yeah. Rather Let's... than having to make, shall we say, a, a premature decision because you've got a high overall in like your envelope reading as well. It just gives us so much more to play with. Oh. And because of that, it allows us to make get better a quick information, make better calls, and have better analysis tools to be able to get to the, the actual root cause, which allows us to really define the severity where we want to be, rather than just say, ah, oh, you've got an issue here. Yeah. You know, we want well, to be our, able to be a bit more informed. And our speed of acquisition now has greatly increased, so we can now try and get the reports to our customers almost on the day. That's what we're trying to aim for. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work to do around that first, initially of building databases and everything like that, but I feel when we get efficient, what we're trying to do is, is right, Let's get the data. Let's let's analyze 
that day whilst we're there because it's fresh, it's in your mind. Definitely. You know, and what? if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, got a problem here. I need to take more data. Let's get her back out. Let's go back out. I know. And that's so, how many times have you analysts that? You'll all agree with me. You'll be like, okay, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? You think, oh, I wish I was back there. I want to take more information. And you can't because you're at home. You know what I mean? So I think for us, the, the investment is going to be able to add so much more value to our existing customers. And as well, what we're going to be able to do for, our, for new customers that come on board is collect more information and it be more accurate. And, you yeah. know, I mean, I think them two are the boxes you want to tick as any an, an, analyst, you know. Any condition monitoring company wants to be able to tick them boxes, you know. Definitely. And I, I feel well, we, we, you know, we do now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited to make this announcement. I want to obviously say a big thank you to Matthew Gill, um, uh, supplier for, um, ACOM UK. He's been very helpful in, in, in obviously making us, helping us make this decision. And as well, yeah. I want to say a big thank you to Christian as well. Um, you know, really, really, really great guy that has sort of, uh, really informed us on what the capabilities of this kit can do. You know, so big shout out to you guys as well. And um, yeah, as well, want to have a big shout out to Chris Wilson as well. He supported us massively when we're using the Vibe Expert 2. And he still continues to support us with uh, the yeah, alignment yeah, gear that we've bought. Because we just invested as well in a new rotor line as well. And it is incredible piece of equipment. And that allows us to do laser alignments at really high standards, you know. It's a um, good bit of kit. Incredible bit piece of equipment as well. So there's a big announcement, I'd say. <laughs> um, and Will, do you want to take us through the next? Yeah. So fact? we are, as with I think many probably people within the kind of condition monitoring world, it's looking into wireless systems. Yes, that's what we're look. We, we kind of we want to be on the forefront of Industry 4.0 at the moment. And whilst we offer our normal condition monitoring service, vibration analysis with our new AquaM equipment. There is gonna, there's always like some customers, some people that want to look at a wireless solution, especially with COVID at the minute. People don't want to be at us on site so much. Of course. And we yeah. want to be able to offer that. So we kind of got something in the pipeline and we're kind of looking into it. Definitely, um, I agree. And I think that's the thing as well. I, you know, the thing is what we do is very minimal contact anyway. So yes. I think it's very important. And, and, you know, I really do appreciate all our customers that do regard this as a high priority task. Because it, oh, it, it is, it really is. And I think reliability is something that, is very important and obviously you know when we do go to work we work in the most safest manners and we, we're always you know obviously abiding by guidelines and to be honest what we do to be honest you don't see many people do you to no. be honest you probably some sides we don't see anyone and that's what we're trying to be doing obviously recently but what we can do now as well on top of that is you know online systems as well that allows us to shall we say collect more information on critical assets you know, that are a little bit more critical, shall we say, and would yeah. could do with a lot more, you know, readings really. You know, it yeah. benef the benefits of it is is You is just vast. get much better trend history, don't you? Like yeah. some of the some some customers just can't budget for us to be there every month. And we have to give the best service we can with our online analyzers, maybe going every two months, every three months, whatever their budget can afford. But sometimes by us putting on a wireless system the amount of data we can collect over that it, yeah it's every massive. day yeah get reading every well day. put it this way say for example you even do monthly surveys which is you know, pretty standard pretty standard really say for example you had an online system on one application and you was taking one reading per day you know that's 30 readings per month over. over one yeah so over the whole year 
Um, You've got 365 you, readings, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the crazy thing here. You know, we, you've, we've got a lot more. We, we can just collect so much more information. And I think that is really important. And, and it comes back to the same point of the more information we have, the more informed decision that can be made, the more accurate we can look at a deterioration. How quick is the rate of change? Where do we think this is going? Definitely, yeah. definitely. So yeah, I'm moving on from wireless systems. We, we've got a lot of updates for that. So keep your, your eyes peeled and your ears peeled about like new, um, shall we say, opportunities in that sector. But another thing that we're really looking forward to and looking into and uh, something that we're now offering as well is RCM services. So reliability services are always something I've been very passionate about. Um, and it, it really is so important, like, especially sort of starting my condition monitoring journey through the years just understanding that a lot of companies didn't really understand or know where to actually put this practice you know like a lot of the time is it was a bit like okay we'll just do it everywhere and what we found a lot of the time is you know a lot of the things we were monitoring didn't really have the severity of 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 other items if you know what i mean so you know really where we were focusing our attention on wasn't the areas we should have been and you know i think that that information initially is really important when you're doing any kind of uh, condition monitoring program because what you don't want to be doing is being inefficient in where you're actually analysing, you know, no. as well. Especially like we could be calling something is like a really urgent problem that is really low criticality. Like if they lose it, it's it doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. And then we could be less so like pressurable to the customer, like you really need to change this. And then it turns out that they really do need to change it and we're kind of like not being so like yeah definitely it's this balance because like definitely what i've seen and what i think you'll agree is is that this process and procedure of reliability centered maintenance often doesn't necessarily happen and they just go oh we need condition monitoring we need vibration analysis so we rock up and we're like measuring (laughs) every asset on site and you're you're doing stuff that don't need to be done that's the thing It's, it's that's really sort of counterproductive and you know i think what we're trying to do is sort of like say right okay reliability centered maintenance is different to condition-based maintenance but it should really be done before you put a condition-based maintenance regime in obviously there's a lot of different techniques that are going to be applied to your plant i mean all of them will be applied but what reliability centered maintenance does it kind of defines what per tool asset to what tools to use on that particular asset. And when we're looking at the reliability of the machine, we're looking at so many different factors within that machine. We're trying to understand kind of what could fail, sort of what outputs does How it do. It fail? Do you know what I mean? And, and, and we're, we're trying to measure a lot of parameters around the reliability of that one asset, um, which is not straightforward to do and it takes Especially a lot of time. when you've got loads of different failure modes like loads of different ways that it could fail exactly you know we could be doing condition monitoring but okay we could be doing vibration analysis but then there may be other techniques that could be shall we say say if it's a gearbox for example you might want to oil sample it oil sampling is probably more effective on the gearbox side of things yeah so what you know a lot of the time what you'll find people will do condition monitoring on a really critical gearbox they'll be doing vibration analysis but they won't be doing any oil sampling. Yeah. And you think there's different, there are different techniques that are more effective, shall we say. Uh, but then the reason they're not done is because it's not being looked at on a reliability centered maintenance point of view where they haven't really defined what failure modes there are on the machine. Yeah. Hence, haven't really put in a, a, you know, a practice or procedure to be able to counteract the, them failure modes because they have not understood them. 
yeah. to begin with. So that is something that we're kind of now offering because um, we find there's a big gap in the market for it. I mean, even a lot of the customers that we kind of have been involved with, we're kind of now sort of discussing these routes with them to be able to create more efficiency on yeah. site and what we do as well. Yeah, just taking a few steps back like, and being able to say, right, we currently do condition monitoring. We're currently monitoring everything. Well, let's look at the criticality of everything. Yeah, let's let's have look, a look at a little bit more. Let's look in a bit more detail. How can we make our time on site more effective to you, add more value to you guys as the customer? 100%. Do we need to be monitoring all this stuff or should we actually be taking more readings on some of this other stuff and not on this stuff? Yeah. How can we get more pinpoint to what we're doing? Because I think at the start, you do kind of have a bit of a blanket. Okay, we'll monitor all this. And then gradually, as you sort of introduce yourself to the site, you understand the failure modes a little bit more and you do refine it. But what we're trying to do is actually, from a top-end point of view, is really understand each piece of equipment. So then our services can become more effective because we're monitoring the things that need to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if you haven't got CBM, this needs to be done, really. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't, you definitely should, although RCM ideally, you know, you want to look at that maybe before CBM, you shouldn't let that get in the way of even starting no. CBM. CBM is always a good place to start, even if you haven't got it. Yeah. I agree, because it, it almost... It's still going to be giving you insight into your asset conditions. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's really important, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, no, I'm not doing condition-based maintenance yet, because we haven't got RCM done. And then you kind of ask them the question, well, when are you going to do a reliability sentiment? So, oh, okay, probably three years. <laughs> but within that time, you yeah. know, you're going to have four critical gearbox failures anyway. So you've got, to, you know, you've got to look at it on the point of view is, okay, the information is very valuable to have to implement a CBM practice afterwards. But at the same time, like Will said, it shouldn't stop you from cracking on and getting some vibration Definitely. data. You know, I, I always advocate that, you know, I'm going Just to... Just get started. That's the best thing. If you're not doing condition monitoring at the minute at your factory... The best thing to do is just to get going. Just get going. Get started because we can we can really point you in the right direction as well very quickly about where your problem areas are. And with the new collectors and kit, we can collect data quite quickly. Definitely. So even if we are collecting data on things that are not so important later on down the line, we can understand that and we can adjust and pivot to be efficient and effective as we possibly can on the kit that we need to be, you know. Um so one last thing as well that we've been getting involved with a little bit more now is site services. So we're doing bearing changes um, and we're doing it in the right way, the right practice. I mean, there's been a lot of times where I've experienced where I've gone to test something after a bearing change and we've seen extremely high metal-to-metal contact readings. You think, oh God, here we go. Yeah. How am I going to explain to the customer that their bearing is still damaged or there's been an issue with installation. the installation or the, or something because it's never it's never a pleasurable experience. I bet you guys have all been there um, who are listening to this. And it's not nice to be able to say, oh, you know, yeah, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to... And it can be really difficult this. as well from like the customer's point of view because they're like, hang on a minute, I've just paid someone to replace this and you're telling me it's yeah. broken already? Kind of puts you in an awkward position as well. Yeah, You know what I mean? But as well, you know, how many times have we seen it? where they've gone to site without a bearing here and they've knocked it on with a pin punch and they're knocking each side on. Um, and you just get cocked bearings. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a common thing I've seen. And, and the thing is, a bearing heater, very expensive. You know, you're talking £2,000 for a decent one. Uh, and we invested in one, uh, which was quite painful. But... Necessary. 100% because we you we're never gonna, we're never going to take that, this and on. And that's where we're setting ourselves in this point. 100%. Isn't it? so it's got to be done right. It's got to be done right. If we've got to get the yeah. bearing heater, we need to get the bearing heater. If we need, which we have now got, 
brand new SKF bearing pullers. Exactly. So we can maintain that cleanliness standard that's so important with bearing exactly. changes. Exactly. And as well, when we when we grease the bearing, it's done in the most cleanliest way. We're very, cleanliness very careful. Cleanliness is godliness, is what my mentor used to say when I was I an apprentice. Incredible. And it's, I love it's, that. it's true. You, you can't, contamination's a killer for it's bearings. It's a killer, isn't it? There's so many things that can go wrong when you're putting that bearing on. Uh, and taking it off actually yeah. as well you know what I mean you have to be very it's a very and Will has done hundreds of these I have done hundreds of these bearing changes obviously back in my yeah. early days at Eric's you know that's what I used to do I used to rewind motors I used to change bearings it was kind of like a daily practice for us really wasn't it and the same with you at yeah. British Sugar I assume yeah I mean we used to do everything in house really mm. like any gearbox motor that had broke we would you be changing and I, I love that I love the fact you've got that experience as well because you know Will has dealt with a lot of things mechanically, and he's very mechanically biased. I'm very electrical biased, and I think our, you we know, kind of our skills each other complement well, Yeah, definitely. And you know, there's a lot he's I've learned from him in terms of mechanical point of view, and he's learning a lot from me from the vibration analysis point of view. And do you know what? It's it's been a great journey as well. As well, I got my results back for my level three. Yeah, um, past ninety percent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to. But to be honest, I was surprised I got that high percentage. If I'm honest, um, especially like, I mean during the times that we were in. I know. Yeah, really old times as well. But and do you know, Dean did a really good job. Yeah, big. Respect to Dean. He did a great job. Great teacher. Brilliant, you know, teacher at RMS. So if you guys are looking to do any vibration training, I do highly recommend Dean Will at RMS to to go in because he'll get you through it. And he, you know, it's a lot to take on. Level three is not easy. I'm not. I'm not, never saying that. I mean, ninety two percent. It sounds like you know. I breezed it, but I didn't. I was like thinking, oh my God, what the hell's going on? Um, but, you know, I ingested the information and it was presented in a beautiful way. So thank you, Dean, for helping me out to get to that level three, which has been a big dream of mine as well. Yep. So we're going to wrap it up now, guys. We're at the half an hour mark. We're going to try to... Not- Just a bit of an update for you where we're at and kind of after this one, hopefully we'll be a bit more regular with some more things on yeah. lubrication, vibration. And I think that's what we're going to do. What, we're gonna, what me and Will will try to do in the studio is try to get other people shall we say, yeah. maybe on Zoom calls, maybe. Maybe some people that are, you We're know, We're going to try field. video them as well, so you can watch on YouTube and just yeah, see our definitely. faces. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to try to try to push this and do a lot more. We just um, enjoy doing it. It's just... Yeah. We're getting to the point where we're slowly finishing setting up all our databases with the new yeah. AquaWem stuff, and then we'll have a bit more free time to spend some time doing yeah. this. We've, we've had a lot on recently, but it's no excuse because we, we, we really love it. So I just really want to say a big thank you to everyone who's tuned in, everyone who's followed us, and please follow us on LinkedIn at MaintainTM, and follow us on Instagram if you can. We're going to try to put more stories out there, and uh, me and Will are going to be switching between um, certain different things. So, you know, add us on there at MaintainCM as well. So... Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye.